Hello and welcome along to the Property Academy podcast by Opus Partners. I'm your host, Tim McKnight. I'm Andrew Nichol. At our show, we are pleased to be joined by Matt Harris, an accountant from Momentum Property, to talk about GST and how it works for property investors. Now, wait a second, Matt. I thought property investors didn't have to worry about GST. I thought renting out your house was exempt from GST. Look, you're right. Most long-term residential buy and hold property investors do not need to deal with GST. And that is because GST on long-term investment properties is an exempt activity. So it doesn't apply. But there are some instances where it does. Okay. Give us some examples where it does. For the majority of mum and dad investors who operate a one or two property portfolio let on a long-term basis, GST is not included anywhere in their accounts. So when they do their financial statements, it's all on a GST-inclusive basis. When they purchase the property, they don't have to be GST registered, they don't claim GST, and they don't pay GST when they sell the property. There are a couple of exceptions. The most common is probably Airbnb, but it's a little bit wider than that in reality. It's commercial dwelling. So a commercial dwelling is a hotel, motel, farm stay, boarding house or similar and that's where an Airbnb comes in. Okay so if I have a house and I rent it out through Airbnb do I automatically have to pay GST? No and this is where it gets a little bit difficult for long-term buy and hold property investors who might be turning to Airbnb to seek a higher yield. They then can sometimes inadvertently or on purpose drag themselves into the GST net. So The GST registration threshold in New Zealand is $60,000. However, you can voluntarily register if you believe that you are going to turn over more than $60,000 in time or are carrying on a taxable activity. So as already mentioned, if you're a long-term residential investor, you do not have a taxable activity. But if you are someone who's operating a commercial dwelling, so one of those things I've just explained, then you do have a taxable activity and GST could be applicable. To give you an example, so boarding houses are a really common one and and when you purchase a boarding house, you would generally expect to be GST registered at the outset. The vendor would be GST registered and and you would be aware of, of the fact that GST implications exist in the transaction. Airbnb is a bit different. So imagine I've got a house in central Auckland, maybe in, in Ponsonby. I've previously rented it full time. It's become vacant. Someone's told me I can make a return on Airbnb. I put it on Airbnb and I start making money. Ponsonby is a, a relatively central suburb. Airbnb houses could easily make two or $3,000 a week, which is quite a bit higher yield when you look at probably the average rent in something like Ponsonby being about $900. Those people get to the point where they have bought in more than 60000 in revenue from the Airbnb activity and they will breach the GST threshold. Okay, so say I've got three rental properties and a look-through company and one of those properties is this house in Ponsonby that you're telling me. If that Ponsonby house for this financial year doesn't make $60,000 because it's only a part year, I don't have to be GST registered? That's correct. But what happens next year? Do I have to register and then does GST apply for the other properties in that entity? Yes, you do have to register. And the, the difficult bit is you're required to register when you think your turnover is going to breach 60000 So if you're earning three grand a week, you can get to a reasonable point where you go, well, if I keep going this way, I'm going to breach it. You don't drag the other properties into the tax net, but you do have to do what's called a change of use adjustment, which is a reasonably complex process nowadays, which takes two balance dates to complete. So a balance date for a standard taxpayer is 31 March, which was what most investors will have. So without 
having to explain it in a really long-winded way. Imagine I have a house for two years and I use it as an investment property, long-term, $900 a week, no GST, no drama. I decide on 1 February that I'm going to turn it into a Airbnb and I register for GST, either because I've got to the near 60000 or because I think I'm going to make 60000 or I just want to put it in the tax net, which I think we'll talk about a bit later. What happens is that first balance date, 31 March, I get a fraction which is equal to the time that it's GST registered over the time it's not GST registered as a refund. And so it would be very little, obviously, it'd be two months over two years. So very little amount of refund. Then if I continue on for a full 12 months and remain GST registered, then I get the balance. Inland Revenue have designed the change of use rules in this way to stop people jumping in and out of the GST net willy-nilly to get refunds for various reasons because in the old days you used to be able to do an all or nothing and just go in. Practical implications of it aren't great I don't think for a long-term investor who's growing their wealth for retirement for example. What it means is that that property from now on is subject to GST on its eventual sale. Yeah, and so essentially you've got a 15% amount that you're going to need to pay when you sell that property. So you've kind of got a capital gains tax aside from Brightline. Yeah, correct. And imagine you're outside Brightline, you wouldn't have paid any tax. What you carry with a GST registered property is a downstream liability for 15% of the capital gain and a compliance burden. GST registered people or entities have to file one monthly, two monthly or six monthly. So let me ask you this, say that I've done this for a couple of years and then I thought, oh, I'm really sick of those people living in my Ponsonby property and damaging it because there's more foot traffic and all those kind of things. I just want to rent it out as a normal rental. What happens now? You do the opposite. You do a change of use back the other way and that's done at market value. So there's no escaping the tax man. So I have to pay that GST component based on the market value at the time, even though I'm keeping that property. Correct. Ooh. Correct. How outrageous. <laughs> I uh, can see you well, getting worked up I'm over getting there. really hot yeah. under the collar. If I was wearing a collared shirt, I would be really warm under there. Hey, don't open the door for me to start bashing the government. No, mate. So, look, if I'm going to buy a property as, say, a boarding house or an Airbnb, can I at least claim GST as I buy that property if I'm going to pay it at the other end? Yeah, so you can. So GST is a consumption tax, and and what that really means is that it's meant to be inputs and outputs until it gets to the final user. So in the course of an ordinary property investor who buys a long-term investment property, if it's a new build, then you'll have to be careful because the vendors will be GST registered. But if it is a in-situ property, so one that's not a new build, it's likely that it's a private vendor. In that case, you're allowed what's called a second-hand goods claim, which allows you to claim the fraction of the GST up front. So that's if you're entering into the transaction GST registered to begin with. Otherwise, you have to do this change of use, which will eventually give you the full 15% value of the property as a refund. Just that when you sell or take it back out of the activity, it will be at market value. And theoretically, as we know, prices increase on properties on an annual basis by an average of at least 6%, more or less over time, you're going to be paying more GST than you ever claimed, and that is the way it works. Now tell me this, what happens if I get a GST refund and, I don't know, $50,000 hits my account? Who does that go to? Can I use it for something else? Does the bank take that money? Well, depends on the situation, but in an ordinary course of business, GST refunds are cash flow. And that's all GST is. It's a cash flow mechanism. It's inputs and outputs. So if we put aside a 
investor, long-term investor, and we go to the usual use case for a GST registered property transaction, which is a property developer, when a property developer buys a property, you would get a GST refund that would go into your bank account as cash. You could use that then to pay for carpet layers, painters, builders, surveyors, basically anything you like. And then you'd reasonably expect to be able to claim a, a deduction or a GST refund on those costs as well. So all that stuff goes in the pot. When you're a property developer, then you sell the property, you have to pay GST on the sale price. And that's how you can see how consumption tax is meant to affect the end user. Because you claim all the costs, then you sell and you pay all the tax. And where it gets really interesting in New Zealand is that the government pretends to have this mandate to make housing more affordable. If they actually wanted to do that, they would take GST off the sale price of a property. First home buyers wear it, investors wear it. So I don't know. So if you were a trader, though, or a flipper, and you were registered for GST, you could buy a property, claim the GST back and use the cash to fund your renovations. Yep, and you will. And that's good flippers or traders who are doing one property or two properties at a time get really organised and they make sure that it settles in the correct GST period and they get that money back straight away and, and they can fund most of the renovation. Now, one thing to be aware of, though, is you are supposed to declare this to the bank, correct? Correct. Right. In reality, it doesn't happen as much as you'd think. No, it happens as much as I thought, thought that I think it does. Yeah, uh, I, uh, I mean, for the listeners. Oh, uh, right. Yeah, no, I've... Um, as I just as much as they I'm, think. Yeah, I, I know that there are a lot of people that do renovation projects or do flips. They'll claim the GST, they'll use that money to fund their project, then they'll sell the property. Now, when you're signing up for your loan, you're declaring that you're not, it's not a GST registered entity or it's not going to trigger GST because the bank has to pay the IRD first. So in the event that they wind you up, they have to pay the GST. And then if there's nothing left over to pay their loan or there's a, there's a shortfall, then that's on the bank, right? Yeah, banks are, are really careful with GST because actually legislated in the GST Act under the powers of sales legislation, the bank has an obligation first and foremost to return the GST on a mortgagee sale. It's unescapable, so they're, they're very careful with it. And obviously, as you know, the, the general rule in life as an investor is you, you need the bank more than you need anyone else. <laughs> Don't lie to them. Yeah, uh, yeah just so, to clarify, yeah. on behalf of yeah. our compliance manager, Vanessa Garrett, <laughs> we would never encourage you not to disclose something no, to the bank. No, absolutely not. And similarly, the IRD, you probably don't want to yep. be ducking and diving them. So how do people manage the GST claim if they have got lending, which is most people, right? Yeah, I think it depends on how and who funded the project. So main banks are a lot more careful with GST than other lenders. But there are some ways to go about it. Obviously, you can be upfront with the bank and tell them you're going to claim GST and negotiate that into part of the lending. The other ways that you can do it is if you are dealing with a GST registered vendor who's trying to charge you GST, there's a negotiation piece there where you might not be GST registered and you go back and, and see if you can split the difference with them. But I think with the lending, if you're one of those people who should be in the GST net, so a dealer, a developer, a trader on land, or a boarding house or, or something similar, I think you'll find that it will work its way out as part of the process anyway. If you're a residential property investor and you shouldn't be in the GST net, you know, it becomes clear as well. Yep. And so tell me about zero rated transactions because I've been involved in some of these. Yeah, so zero rating, uh, it was a, a brilliant move from the government to plug a, a very messy thing called carousel GST fraud, uh, which people won't remember. But if you knew it was going on at the time as a taxpayer, you'd probably be horrified. So GST registration is on three basis, invoice, payments or hybrid. 
Ignore hybrid because no one ever does it. Invoice basis for GST, you pay GST when you're on the earlier of payment or invoice and you claim on the same. Payments is just payments. You claim when you pay and you return sales when you get paid. Really simple and, and probably the way that most people would do it because you don't have to run accruals. So what used to happen in the property space is imagine I'm a bit sneaky. I'm imagine. a GST. Imagine. <laughs> Not me though, upstanding citizen. <laughs> but imagine, you know, you're a, a property person, maybe you need some money or you're just a, someone who's just a crook. You yeah. would have a property and you'd be on a payments basis for GST and then you'd set up another company, you'd sell it to sort of semi-related company, you do it carefully and you'd sell it to them and they'd be on, a, on an invoice basis. Yeah, correct. And so you would issue the invoice, they'd make the GST claim, but they'd never pay you. Then you'd drop out of the net, which is why it's called hmm. carousel fraud. And then they just carry it on. The government was losing quite a lot of GST in this way because they had no mandate to hold refunds if someone had the invoice and all the paperwork in order, despite the fact that it might have smelled a bit wrong. <laughs> so zero rating was introduced in April 2011 from memory and it's brilliant. What it says is that two GST registered parties who transact on a property will transfer that property at the rate of 0%. So what this has done is got rid of carousel fraud but it's created some other problems. For example, I at least a couple of times a year get investors who are GST registered who have gone unconditional on properties from other GST registered vendors and think they're going to be claiming a refund, but the vendor hasn't very quietly let it go through, knowing very well probably that it's going to be zero rated. Yeah. So number one rule as a property investor is check your sale and purchase agreements carefully. If GST is a part of the transaction, always ensure that the statement at the top of the first page is circled. Is the vendor registered in relation to the transaction? Yes or no? If I see that it's uncircled, I send it back. It should be yes or no. If it's no, don't worry about it. If it's yes, they have to go down and complete the schedule and that should be completed. Now, bear in mind, this is for someone who's buying who is GST registered. If you're a normal investor, not as important, right? No, it isn't. They should still circle it if, they, if the vendor's GST registered. I think it's about completeness. But what happens, right, if you're one of those person who's going to be GST registered, and probably majority of the people that we work with obviously aren't, but if you were and that went through, you're in a position where you can't claim GST on the purchase, <laughs> but you have it. to return GST <laughs> yeah, on the sale. That's, so I've, I've heard of lots of cases like this where people live, particularly it was, it was massive in the as-is market here because there were lots of traders going around. And so someone would buy a property and then they'd on-sell it for basically no profit. But the profit was actually coming from a GST claim because they were mm. GST registered. They were buying from a mum and dad. Then the poor person number C was selling on to number D. Then they suddenly realised, oh no, I've got to pay this GST, but I couldn't claim it. It, yeah. it made some people <laughs> a lot poorer. Right, let's wrap it up there. But please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the Property Academy podcast. It really does help us get the message out to more people. And hey, if it's time for you to grow your portfolio in the end of 2022 and start of 2023, your next step is to book in for a portfolio planning session. Look, I won't chew your ear off about this. Real easy way to sign up. Just flick us a text at 5522. Text us the word plan. We'll give you a buzz. See if it's the right fit. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nicholl. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the use of the property market. Until next time. <laughs>